Welcome to the Camp House Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Busby, and today's episode is part of our special series focused on our local election for the next Chattanooga mayor. As many of you know, this election cycle features the largest field of candidates for mayor that our city has ever had, 15 in all. It is my goal to bring as many of these candidates as possible onto the podcast right here over the next couple weeks. These interviews with the men and women running for office will take the shape of a conversation that will allow you to hear their story, qualifications, and the passion they have for our city of Chattanooga. In the end, our hope is that you will feel more informed and engaged when you cast your ballot for the next leader of our city on Tuesday, March 2nd. And so today I give you our next interview featuring Tim Kelly, candidate for Chattanooga mayor. Well, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So my guest today is Tim Kelly, another one of the fine men and women who are running for mayor here in Chattanooga. And, um, you know, Tim, the, the, the way I really like to start out these episodes is not me giving any sort of bio for you, uh, but really allowing you to do that, you know, giving you five, five minutes or so to tell us about your own story um, and, uh, and kind of leading up to how long you've been here to why you're running for mayor. So uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Tim. Okie dokie. Well, I was born in Chattanooga. Um, I lived here all my life until I, I went to college, and I was fortunate enough to, to get a, uh, a scholarship to go up to Columbia University in New York. And uh, that, so that was, that was a great experience for me. Four years in New York kind of changed my perspective on Chattanooga. Came back here and had been here for 30 years since then, since 1989. Um, you know, raised my kids here. I started multiple businesses here, uh, and I've also spent 30 years in the nonprofit world here. I mean, my, my parents were both big into servant leadership. I mean, they never even used that term, but it was just kind of how I was raised. And uh, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but they were very much localists themselves. Uh, so, again, I, I've been on the board of everything from Big Brothers, Big Sisters to uh, Soundcore to uh, Benwood Trustee to the uh, Community Foundation. I was the chairman there. I mean, probably 15 different nonprofit boards here. And I think that gave me a great uh, perspective. You know, again, I'm not just a business guy. I get that a lot out there. Uh, I've spent at least as much time working on the nonprofit world. And, and, and that really kind of led me up to the point where I realized there's only so much you can do from, from the sidelines of philanthropy. I mean, Chattanooga's philanthropic and uh, nonprofit community is fantastic. Arguably it's the most, uh, it's the most prevalent or rather not the most prevalent, the, the most prominent, uh, sector uh, in in Chattanooga, which is very unusual. Most most cities, of course, it would be the public sector or the business sector, but you can only do so much from there. And I, you know, I kind of woke up one day and had some people poking at me about it and realized that uh, the only thing I could do to keep pushing was to actually throw my hat in the ring for public service. So, um, you know, that's that's how I got here. I, I should say I don't have any future political ambitions at all. I don't want to be the governor. I'm not trying to, you know, go to D.C. I've never run for anything in my life. Uh, I've just gotten to the point where I, I see the promise and the potential of Chattanooga. And it's been driving me nuts for quite some time that uh, we haven't been making uh, intentional enough progress. And um, I'm bound and determined to try to move us forward. Yeah. You said a word in there that I want to touch on before we go any further that I, I love. And I just want people to have a a working definition of that word. And that is, uh, you know, you said your parents were, were a localist and, uh, and yeah. I want to talk about that for a minute. And, you know, I should tell people we're actually recording this on inauguration day. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of a funny moment even to be 
uh, talking about localism and localists at such an important moment for our country. Um, but what, what do you mean by that? What's a localist? Well, it means that I think, look, I think we have got everything uh, or have had everything lately here upside down. Uh, I think, you know, look, if you go back to the Greek model of democracy, it started in the city state. You know, you think about if you think about good roads and good schools and the things that constitute uh, really constitute the fabric of our quality of life. Uh, they're they're local and and therefore not partisan. Rarely ever are they. Uh, it's it really comes back to having taken a really intentional approach to keeping capital local, talent local, patronizing local businesses, thinking about um, our city first. And so, I mean, that would be my working definition. I I, I read a uh, a great book a few years back uh, called The New Localism that really kind of it it, it was a great. Um, it was one of those experiences where you read a book and you kind of feel like maybe you're, you're a little bit crazy and you read a book and you realize I'm not crazy, right? Somebody else thinks the same things I think. And it was, it was really a light bulb moment. And I have to thank Ken Hayes for bringing Bruce Katz to town and, and, um, and, and, and handing out a, a crate of that, of that book. And I've handed out about a crate since then to other people. So uh, yep. it's a fantastic book and it really describes it well. Yeah, it is a fantastic book. I've read it. And you know, I saw somebody, uh, a friend of mine on Instagram say, hey, I'm reading this book next. Anybody got any opinions on it? And it was a picture of that book. And I just, you know, give them like five thumbs up in their comment section. And um, yeah, uh, The New Occulism, fantastic book. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned there that, you know, this is, uh, this, you know, the mayor, for, for those who don't know, our local elections, mayor and city council are nonpartisan races. And I think that's, that's so, so important. Um, and and I've, something I've already said, you know, in these interviews, and I'm going to keep repeating, is we have the probably the broadest, most diverse field of candidates for mayor in Chattanooga ever, and it's and it's beautiful, and it's mm -hmm. um and it's because you know the the biggest reason this is not it should be nonpartisan is because, you know, uh, how we make a great city uh, is isn't the differences between Democrat and Republican or whatever, libertarian and liberal, like they don't exist when it comes to how you're going to build a great city, how you're going to build a great community. Um, and so, so I just, yeah, I love the, the localist vision at, when it comes to just thinking about our own city and how, how impactful that's going to be. You know, Tim, this, this is the most diverse, you know, field of candidates for mayor. And so yep. I do want to take a moment in here, you know, we've got, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, elected officials, nonprofit leaders, uh, you know, we even have a doctor running for mayor, you know, how, how has your, background of owning businesses here in Chattanooga um, and even being an entrepreneur and, and sort of pioneering some new ideas in the city, you know, how has that prepared you to take a leadership role of Chattanooga? Well, let me first say, I, I think that uh, this big field, I've got a lot of people that sort of, oh boy, this is terrible, right? I don't, I don't think it's terrible at all. I Amazing. Think it's fantastic because it, it is driving, I am a big believer in, um, in the dialectic, if you will, and constructive conflict and and you know the conversations we're having are exactly the sort of conversations we need to have in order to figure out what Chattanooga's future looks like, and that's that's how it happens, right? So I I ain't mad about it, as they say. I'm 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 happy about it, and and uh, and, and the process has really been energizing and engaging so far. Uh, that said, like obviously I would not be doing this, or I should maybe not obvious, but I will say it for the record: I would not be doing this if I weren't convinced I were the best candidate. Um, it, very candidly, you know, look, this is not the greatest time in the world to be running as a white male, uh, but I am convinced that, that uh, this is, you know, the city is an organization with 2,500 people in it. 
uh, executive management experience is really important. And again, I've got 30 years of experience running small businesses. Um, and I say a lot of times, like the value of that is not that somehow we understand commerce better. It's that we understand organizational management better, right? We, yeah. you know, all business really is, is building teams to get things done with limited time and limited resources. So um, I'm also, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, entrepreneurs hate wasted potential. I heard that on an Andrew Yang podcast and it really, it really lit me up. So I was like, God, that's exactly right. And, and that's what drives me crazy. I want to fix stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in the city that, um, that can be fixed, needs to be fixed. And I'm all about fixing it. Um, I'm also, you know, a good crisis manager. I, I've, I've managed large budgets through multiple recessions. I, I know how to, you know, um, handle things when the, when the, you know, what hits the fan. Uh, and this is this is pretty classic example. So I, I think my my skill set is is really best suited. It, but I, again, I'm not just a business guy. I've worked also 30 years in the nonprofit community. So as I said before, I mean everything from Big Brothers Big Sisters to Arts Build to you know two tours at the Chamber to most recently really spending a lot of time at Chattanooga 2.0. And and, uh, and and as the chairman of the Community Foundation, I know where the levers and buttons are. I, I know what the issues are here. So uh, I can I can hit the ground running uh, and and get the stuff fixed. And then finally, I would just say, um, I'm you know my my nonpartisanship does not come with a wink and a nod. There are other candidates in the race who are you know it's nonpartisan, but they're they're not. They're party affiliated. Some try to hide it more than others. I am not. I think I'm. I'm the record probably will reflect if somebody wants to do the research, but. I'm probably the only candidate who's voted for people from all parties. And I don't mean just the big two. Uh, I vote for the person who I think they can fix the problem. And, and again, as we said, I think that is critically important to good local government because we've got to be able to work with everybody uh, and bring everybody together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, you're, the sort of experience you have at the, the breadth of the institutions here in Chattanooga is super interesting. You know, as somebody who's been a yeah. business owner, as somebody who has taken part in Chattanooga 2.0 and, and sat on the, the board of the Community Foundation, you know, what do, what do you see from all that experience? What do you see as the biggest challenges facing Chattanooga as we, you know, really enter into a, a, a new decade? Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I mean, you look at these things as sort of short-term and tactical and long-term and strategic, and that's how I look at it. I mean, the, the COVID crisis is the, is the biggest. And, you know, the, the Warren Buffett has a famous saying that you never know who's swimming naked until the time goes out. And, uh, you know, clearly the city was ill-equipped um, to, to deal with this because we don't have anything to say about public health, really. We're reliant on the county. So, um, you know, again, I, I would dive into that and work with the county to get us through the end of this crisis. And, and you really help set, set the table for economic recovery, which is where most of my focus would be. I would also say sort of in the, in the bigger term, uh, you know, big picture issue before the COVID crisis, I, I read a book called The New Geography of Jobs that really had me worried about Chattanooga's economic future because we are pinched between two uh, very large hulks, uh, metroplexes, national and Atlanta, that are soaking up our jobs and our talent at a, at a dizzying rate. And you know, we are in danger of becoming just a wasteland of $12 an hour light manufacturing jobs and, and tourism. And that cannot happen. Um, Chattanooga is more than that, Chattanooga is better than that. And it's gonna take a, a, a really you know, uh, focused and intentional approach to, um, to change that. 
uh, also education, right? I mean, edu we have this is the long term thing, and I'm because I'm not seeking future political office. I'm dedicated to the long term solutions, and we've got to change the uh, direction of, of just on a cultural level of how we value education. Uh, and that I spent the last ten years working on this with uh, the Community Foundation with Chattanooga 2.0, and you know we have massive issues of educational equity. Uh, and, and, and broader than that, educational funding. So we, we've got to change that. Not only important our cultural future, but our economic future. So that's a big one. Um, and then I guess I could keep, I could go on and on, but affordable housing is going to be another, another big one. Uh, I think the average renter in Chattanooga, according to CNE, making $14.23 an hour, uh, which equates to about $750 a month. And yet the average rent, is now $1,100 a month. And that's likely to get worse as people move in here uh, from out of market and drive up housing prices. So we're gonna have to, again, take a much more aggressive approach to affordable housing development. Yeah. And yeah. Again, with, 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 I've got a longer <laughs> list. Yeah. Tim uh, has a great website that, uh, that lists, I think it does a really good job of listing all of these, uh, these issues and these challenges that he's excited to tackle. And so we'll, we'll put that in the show notes, talk a little bit more about his, his where you can reach out to him and, and learn more about Tim's, uh, positions on these things at the end of the episode, but um, were you part? I'm curious. Were you part of the the budget subcommittee for Chattanooga 2.0 or for the or for uh, uh, um, Dr. Johnson's? Oh yes, I was. I okay, that's I what I thought. Yes, I was. I was a, a, a integral part of the budget working group. Is what they called that, which was a very sort of almost unnervingly, you know, uh, below the radar. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I worked really hard on that. Uh, for quite some time to kind of lay out the blueprint for Dr. Johnson when he came in and to his credit, he accepted it and implemented most of it. And uh, I great. look, I do think Hamilton County Schools has turned the corner and uh, he is a fantastic superintendent. We're lucky to have him and I hope we can keep him uh, for as long as possible. But man, he's a, a rising star in the national um, economic community. So we're going to have to work really hard to, to keep him. Absolutely. Yeah. If, 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 uh, you know, if you're just listening to the podcast for the first time, I've got a few, a couple different episodes with Dr. Johnson, um, did an introductory episode when he first took, uh, took the job here in Hamilton County and, uh, I'm super impressed. Uh, I love Dr. Johnson. He's a fantastic leader and I agree. I'm always worried <laughs> that we're going to lose him. Yeah. Um, well, well you know, everything, but you know, he, we, 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 he, he loves Chattanooga. I don't think he would still be here despite the frustrations, despite the fact that we didn't pass that uh, modest tax increase to fund schools. I kind of thought he might leave then, but he didn't, thank God. Uh, so I think, I think you know, if, if we can continue to make progress, look, I say all the time, Chattanooga is full of really talented people that could be in other markets making more money. Yep. But there's something slightly magical about Chattanooga that, that keeps people here. Um, I think it's that great spirit of community that we have the people value, perhaps it's a self-selection thing, you know, people mm -hmm. value community over their own personal ambition, but for whatever reason, I'm, I'm hopeful we can keep them here. Yeah, I, I do. I love that aspect of our city and I, I agree. There's something there um, that is a little bit intangible um, that you can't just can't quite grasp. <laughs> you know, you're right. I think um, Atlanta and Nashville are definitely, you know, if you just look at the last 10 years, those two cities have continued to explode. Um, but over the last five years, Chattanooga has been exploding as well. You know, I think, um, if you're just trying to imagine, you know, if you're, if you're going to go out to a restaurant now, or if you're going to go to, um, you know, if you're looking to host a business party or something like that, and you kind of think about what's out there now, most of those options didn't exist five years ago. Uh, so the city has continually changed 
over the past mm-hmm. decade. And, you know, so I'm curious to hear from you, you know, uh, the challenges are definitely there. What is, what is something you see that our city's done really well over the past five years? Um, you know, well, it's done a number of things. Well, let me see if I can uh, put them in some kind of an order that won't take the last, uh, that won't take up the rest of our podcast. Um, I, you know, look, the, the city itself within city hall has done a great job of diversity and inclusion. I'll say, you know, Andy Burke's done a really good job of that. Uh, and, and the city and the nonprofit community have done a great job of keeping equity issues and issues of, of race and structural racism on the table. Um, a lot of trainings taking place. A lot of people have done racial equity Institute training. I think the conversations that are happening around the city are exactly the right conversations. And so that's, that's great. Um, the, you know, uh, police reform, believe it or not, is, is, was underway before the events of this summer under Chief Roddy at the CPD. And I think a lot of people don't realize how progressive our, our police department is um, and forward thinking. So that it's a really a, a great bright spot. Um, and, and again, our nonprofit community here is, is fantastic and strong and capable. Uh, I was talking to um, Leslie at the community, uh, not the community foundation, the United Way the other day, who got this giant chunk of state money. I think they were the only entity in the state that actually managed to get it all distributed. And uh, that wow. just goes to show you how, how strong our nonprofit community is. And God knows where we'd be without them um, in, in the wake of all this of, of the last year. Uh, again, the spirit of Chattanooga is, is pretty indomitable and, and, uh, and there is something special about it. Uh, and, and that's because of the people here. And, and again, people, people here could choose to be elsewhere, but they, they, they choose to be here. And, and I think that's really the, the crux of what makes this place special. Um, yeah. The outdoor community here, I mean, my wife works in that industry and, and, the, and, the, and trail running and climbing have grown in particular. A lot of folks have kind of came, have moved into town kind of under the radar. And that's grown organically, really, despite uh, organized civic support. Uh, and the quality of life in Chattanooga is still good, despite, as you say, things are getting more expensive and a little more crowded. But if you look at our growth rate um, in measures of traffic congestion and things like that relative to places like Nashville, Atlanta, we're still we're still an attractive uh, and comfortable place to live. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, OK, so one of the you know, one of the criticisms, something I was thinking about when you were talking, one of the criticisms I hear of, of Chattanooga and uh, from, from different areas over a number of years is that we're too reliant on the nonprofit sector as a city. And um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's true just because I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with other cities to know if that's true, but you know, in your opinion, what, what institutional sector would you like to see step up and, 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 and play a bigger role in Chattanooga, right? Like if, if that's true, that it's, yeah. the nonprofit's too strong, like what needs to step up and actually take more leadership in our city? It's a, it's a it's a great question, and I don't think it's a stepping up thing as much as it is a um, I would say the economic the, the the economic thing is the is the main thing, and I think you know we need a stronger business sector. Um, I don't I mean we need more economic growth generally, and I think that's part of it. Uh, our, our you know our economic our, our business sector is is pretty. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty flaccid, I guess is the right word. There's just not a lot of uh, vitality there. And again, I think that has to do with the fact that larger companies and some of our, our fledgling uh, startups have all sort of, you know, picked up stakes and split for larger markets. And we really have to, we have to reverse that trend. Yeah. 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 I think if, if anybody, you know, Camp House has always been a downtown centric organization. And, you know, if you're in and around downtown, you could probably list, 
hopefully not on more than one hand, but the number of startups who have left Chattanooga, who, who have not failed, but have kind of picked up roots and moved out of Chattanooga, you know, have you, have you thought about ways to stem that tide at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Cause that's my world. You know I mean? I'm, I'm a startup guy. I've been a gig tank mentor and got a lot of friends in that community. And I've, I've, I've started a couple, you know, you know, from the CFC, CFC is a startup. People forget that. I think a lot of times and started a, a company called zip flip and then that spun off into a company called social bot. So I, I, I live in that world. And part of it's got to do with, um, with attracting capital. Uh, but if you, if you, another great book is that new geography of jobs book that I mentioned. And um, that book, again, has hooks, right? If you read it, you will find yourself recommending it to other people. The thesis in that book um, is that if you think about talent and capital's chicken and the egg thing, that uh, the chicken is actually talent. And if we can leverage Chattanooga's quality of life to attract more talented people, particularly post-COVID, right? If, if the work from home thing is permanent or even semi-permanent, then his thesis anyway, this guy, Enrico Moretti, is that the, the, cap, the, the capital will follow the talents. And if that's the case, um, and, and that, the one rule that you learn about venture capital is it wants to be close to its talent. I mean, they, they want to be uh, co-located. And there's, you know, there's, there's a, there's, there really isn't enough investment capital here. So I think it starts with really accumulating a, 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 a corpus of, of really talented people. And then I think the rest will begin to take care of itself, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. How does that, can you, can you explain maybe how does that uh, entrepreneurship culture uh, and even the gig economy culture of Chattanooga, how, how does that benefit everybody in the city? Right. Like, um, you know, cause I would say another criticism of the last five years, rightly or wrongly uh, has been the investment in downtown in terms of like the innovation district and things like that. Um, but, but how, do, how does, how does us as a community, as a city investing within our entrepreneurship sector, how does that benefit all of Chattanooga? Well, I should, I should say, like, entrepreneurship is not just uh, software engineering, right? right. It's, yeah. it's not just that. I think our entrepreneurial resources here really need to be, maybe not physically consolidated, but they certainly, in many, in many, many instances, entrepreneurship and, and a lot of really, um, a lot of notable areas in the nonprofit sector in Chattanooga, we've been a little bit like an orchestra without a conductor. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not running against our current mayor, so I'm not here to criticize him. Uh, but but we we need more coordination and and so those those resources could function better and specifically function better to serve low income uh, neighborhoods and and people who haven't had educational opportunities because look you don't have to be uh, you know you don't have to have a college degree or even a GED to be an effective entrepreneur a lot of times mm -hmm. it, it comes down to you know how do you how do you do a basic set I mean if, if you can do basic math, you can be an effective entrepreneur. You can find somebody to do your bookkeeping. And I know multiple examples of it. So, and, and I've mentored a lot of folks in, in, uh, in various communities and, and pointed them to resources and I'll always continue to do that. But uh, I, I think entrepreneurship is not just for, uh, you know, middle-class white people for sure. And I think we need to be way more intentional about, um, about making those resources available to everybody because it's a, it's a path to wealth. This is, it is still small business and entrepreneurship is still the main engine for job creation uh, in, in America. Uh, so that, to answer your question, it really goes back to that's how we create jobs and wealth. Yeah, I think if, if anybody wants to learn more about that in the way that, uh, you know, uh, the, the emphasis on entrepreneurship has really benefited 
all kinds of people in our community. I'd highly recommend checking out Launch Chattanooga or, uh, or co-starters. Uh, both of these have incredible curriculums where they, they take anybody uh, who has a business idea and shows them how to do it. And they've had so much success. Um, yeah, definitely check those, those entities out. Yeah, yeah. We, we need more connection to those resources. I, I think a lot of the, I, I, what I run into, into all the time is the idea that we sort of put this stuff on a website or send out an email to people. And that's not enough. A city needs a better job of communicating uh, in, in broad strokes and in, 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 in persistent ways uh, how you access these resources. And we can do that for sure. Well, you know, ge geographically and even demographically, Chattanooga is just so diverse because we have a there's a there's a downtown core, but you know the city limits are so broad. There's so many different communities uh, that are included in the city of Chattanooga. You know, how, how if you, if you become mayor, how do you how do you plan to involve that diversity of citizens in the decision making processes of our city? Well, um, I, I should say. I should start by talking again about Andy's uh, Andy Burke's budget process. He did a great job of with budgeting for outcomes. I wouldn't I wouldn't carry on with budgeting for outcomes in this, exactly the same way because there's a lot of sort of unnecessary hoop jumping I think there, but uh, that process also involved a great community uh, input uh, process, which I would definitely uh, can continue. Um, I would also say, you know, I, I posted a, a link that you, maybe you can send out. There's a great article in Bloomberg Cities about uh, community surveys, right? I think the, the danger a lot of times is that you have a meeting, you're like, well, we had a public meeting and three people, the angriest people in the neighborhood show up and mm -hmm. yell and scream. And that may or may not be representative of, of really what the entire community wants. So I, I think we need to take an innovative approach to, to broadening input. Um, and Kansas City does a particularly good job of this with their with their with their um their process and and we we need to do something very similar to that um in in the in the in broader strokes i'll just say I'm, i've got a long record of leadership and consensus building uh chattanooga fc was again a from scratch startup and man that was uh that was i still just kind of marvel that it that it exists and that it that it is still thriving even post-covid we, we've had our challenges but that was a object lesson in consensus building um, with, with a very diverse group of uh, opinions and perspectives, um, you know, and again, when I was the chairman of the community foundation, that was, uh, you got a lot of different people pulling in a lot of different directions and, and reaching consensus and moving forward is, uh, is a particular talent of mine. So, uh, I, I think that's key to it. it, I think it that is, yeah, I think that is particularly true of the community foundation in particular is because you have yeah. so many different entities who make that organization. It's not just one trust or anything like that. Um, you know, the, the other thing I would say here is that, uh, again, because I don't have any 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 further political ambition, uh, I'm I am really tr committed to transparency and accountability. So I'm, I'm I and I think that's been lacking. Uh, so look, I mean, if there are uncomfortable topics that come up, I well, I'll keep them on the table until they're fixed. I'm not trying to bury stuff because it might hurt my future political prospects because I don't have any and I don't want any. So I'm, what I'm interested in f is fixing problems. You know, when you said you, you went off to Columbia for your for school and you came back, what, what was the date range of that? Because whenever I do think about community consensus and involving citizenship, obviously, one of the things that always comes up is, is talking about Chattanooga Venture and that whole episode, that whole period of Chattanooga's history. Were you, were you around for that? I mean, I was around enough to, I want to say that was like 82, 83, as I was finishing high school. I went to Columbia from 85 to 89. Okay. Uh, 
back in July of 89. So I, I was a kid. I remember it. Um, so were you part of Vision 2000 then? Was that, was that around, was that the 90s? That was, gosh, that would have been right as I was getting back. And I was, okay. I think I was going to leadership Chattanooga then. And, and I was part of it. And, and so even then, again, it, there were some, there were some great things about it. And there were some things that were a little bit, you know, shaky about it. Again, I am a subscriber to this idea that uh, as great as it was, and as special as Chattanooga is, it, it, you know, it wasn't based on, you know, input from the entire community. Uh, the idea was let's, let's kind of have a plan. Let's bounce it off some folks and, you know, get consensus or something that looks like consensus and move forward. Yeah. And I, um, it, could it have been broader? Yes. Uh, was it a good thing? Absolutely. Uh, but it goes back to, I think, you know, when, when the city has been, uh, has, has thrived and done best, it's when we had a true spirit of nonpartisanship and when we were the city and the County weren't playing, you know, um, weren't keeping score from, you know, from a political perspective, we weren't divided everybody, the city mayor and the, they didn't call him the County mayor back then you know, we were interested in what was best for everybody here locally. And I, I want to get back to that. Well, one of the fun questions I have for everybody um, is just, you know, let's say you're elected mayor, your first day in office, you know, somebody offers you a $1 million grant to, to, to try and tackle some issue in our city. You know, what are you, what are you spending that million dollars on? Well, I think not that I there think, are, there's no, like, there's no silver bullet solutions. It's probably not going to fix a problem, yeah. but this is an opportunity to take a first step towards something. Well, okay. Again, this is it's important, and and because I do have a long term approach, I believe from all of my years doing nonprofit work that the mother of all problems is education. I think if you fix it, uh, then long term it fixes everything down into the weeds of of public safety and voter turnout and everything. And the mother of that, the grandmother, is early childhood education. So again, I went back to business school late in life. Um, and had a professor down there. You know, it's funny when you go back to school late in life, if anybody's ever done it, I was 40 when I got my MBA and you pay close attention because you're paying for it, right? And you're, you're very much tuned in. Uh, and there's a prof professor down at Emory uh, named Gilkinson who has a, uh, he's a psychiatrist. So, you know, he teaches in the medical school, but he also teaches in business school. And, and so this is not just some random opinion, but he, he gave such a compelling presentation about the primacy of early childhood education. By the time a kid is six years old, the bread is pretty much baked. You can, you know, and, and the implications are pretty depressing, honestly, right? I mean, but, and you can, it's not hopeless. You can spend money to change the trajectory of that kid's life, um, you know, but it's going to take a lot of time and money and effort when if we put all of our, you know, resources toward really high quality, accessible, affordable early childhood education, Man, I mean, the best investment is the first investment. So that's what I would do. I mean, I would put every dollar into expanding Head Start um, and 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 wraparound services for early childhood to to make sure that. And look, the other thing is that's kind of not obvious. Uh, it it takes pressure off of K through twelve because yeah. in my work doing uh, at Chattanooga two point we spent a disproportionate amount of time in a flat panic trying to figure out how we get kids who coming into kindergarten, not knowing letters, numbers, or colors to third grade reading level by third grade, which is the, the standard accepted metric for, you know, out for future outcome predictability. Uh, so that, that's what I do with it. Probably. And I think I could 
you know, safely spend the entire million um, doing that. that. I should mention too, that would, that would also start with, with giving the Head Start uh, teachers raises to 15 bucks an hour yeah. uh, because, you know, that it's not only the right thing to do, but you're going to attract a better quality of, uh, of teacher. So again, I, that, that wouldn't pay off in my term or my lifetime, but it's very clearly the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'll do with it. I, I, yeah, I think that education is gonna be such a massive challenge for the next decade, whoever the mayor is, because I mean, now we're at, we're at almost a year and a half of virtual school for a lot of kids. And, you know, as a, as a parent of two children who are in that right now, who both the parents are working parents, it, I mean, it is so challenging. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and that's two and working it, parents, not one working parent. I mean, that's, it's, I, it's so tough. Yeah. And, and, and equity issues come to the forefront even more, right? Because the, the, the harder it is for you to make ends, ends meet, the, the, the further behind the eight ball you are. So I'm really concerned about uh, our already broad gaps in educational equity getting even broader. Um, and again, thank God for, for Dr. Johnson's leadership and, and one of the great instances, all too rare recently, of, of public-private partnership as uh, this program that they put together with EPB to allow kids in, in Chattanooga to, to get free Wi-Fi access. Thank goodness for that, or, or it would be worse. But, you know, we say around the campaign that a great education should not depend on your zip code. And for way too long, it has in Chattanooga. So that's got to change. Well, Tim, as we kind of begin to wrap this up, you know, is there anything else about your campaign or, or you know, your platform or about Chattanooga that you want to talk about, um, you know, before we kind of wrap this up that we haven't touched on? You know, I think I think we've touched on most of it. I, I mean, I would just reiterate the fact that um, that you know, when you're electing a mayor, you're not electing a you know a, a, a homecoming king or a queen. This is not a honorary position, and it's not a legislative position. This is not a position where you know where it's a vanity thing or or where you know you can kind of get up and give a give a nice speech and and sit back down. It's it's a it's an executive management position. Uh, this person would ha will have to run, uh, you know, an organization of 2,500 people. And, and I, you know, again, it's my job to promote myself during this candidacy. So I'm not a great self promoter, but I am, I believe the only candidate in the race with the requisite experience to, to succeed at that. Uh, and Chattanooga needs it badly. I, th I think we're at a pivot point in Chattanooga where, uh, you know, the, the root of the Greek word crisis is not necessarily a bad thing. It just means a turn, a turning point. And, and we're, that's where we are. We are at a turning point and Chattanooga is either going to move forward and has a great opportunity to be the city of its promise uh, or, you know, with, with, with a lack of intention and, uh, you know, sort of kicking cans in circles, which we've done for a while, you know, I think we're in real danger of sliding back. And, and so uh, that's it. And, and again, I am a nonpartisan, a true nonpartisan. It does not come with a wink and a nod. Um, potholes aren't, you know, red or blue, as they say. Uh, so, uh, yeah. that, that, that's uh, an important note as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really important note how nonpartisan the mayor race is. You know, something I really remembered um, back in the last city council cycle, I introduced, I uh, interviewed the incoming city council members and the, somebody I was so impressed with was uh, Councilman Ledford. Uh, yeah. I'm not even sure what district he, he represents, but he admitted, he's like, listen, I ran unopposed. I was one of those people who was convinced that our city was mismanaging their budget, that we were wasting money left and right. Uh, that we could be way more effective. And he said, I spent that time running unopposed to examine our budget. I realized that wasn't true. Right. And I just think yeah. that's just such a beautiful example of how this is a nonpartisan running. Our city is so nonpartisan 
and then we all have to come together to figure out how to make this place better. Um, That's right. Yep. Yeah. Well, I have two fun questions to get to for you before we uh, let off of here. But I, I do want to say, uh, you know, where can people find more about you and learn more about your campaign? I know you have a podcast of your own right now that you're running. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Well, so the podcast is Common Purpose. I mean, I, I plan to keep doing it uh, after the campaign one way or the other because I believe in Common Purpose really kind of sums up my philosophy on, uh, on, on localism and local politics generally. Um, the website, we've got a ton of policy on the website and a bunch more going up in the next couple of days. Um, you know, I'm self-funding at least part of my campaign. We're raising money, but I'm, I'm putting in uh, my own money as well because I, I like to say, you know, the candidate can spend, you know, uh, their time one of two ways, either begging for money and beholding themselves to special interests, which is particularly difficult and uncomfortable uh, and distasteful during this time, or working on policy and talking to people and, and coming up with the right answers to hit the ground running. And that's what we've done. So there's a ton of prescriptive policy work, which, uh, you know, very frankly, is kind of showing up in other candidates' uh, uh, websites and, and language, which is fine with me, right? Because it, at least we're framing the, uh, the argument correctly. Uh, at kellyforcha.com. So that's the website, kellyforcha.com. Uh, and of course, we've got uh, social media and all the places you'd expect to see it. Yeah. So I'll put a bunch of these links into the show notes of this episode, including some of the books we talked about, the new localism, the new geography of jobs uh, as well. You know, so, okay. So first question um, that I want to ask everybody is just to tell us where you live in Chattanooga and what you love about your neighborhood. I think it's really important for people to um, understand there's, there's benefits and assets to every single neighborhood in Chattanooga. Uh, what do you love about yours? I live in Fort Wood, uh, and I love it because to me it is the kind of quintessential Chattanooga downtown diverse neighborhood. I, you know, I, when I was in New York, New York really showed me the, the, the power, um, of diversity in, in the broadest sense of the word. Uh, and Fort Wood is just a great collection of people of all races and ages. And it's a, it's just a very cool community with, uh, with a strong neighborhood association, you know, a lot of walking, it's right next to the university, but it's also right above against central Avenue. So, uh, you know, it's not a fancy pants place. There's some cool old houses there, but it's, it's a, it's just a great, very diverse, uh, in every sense of the word neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I do think it's one of the most beautiful neighborhoods in Chattanooga, uh, because yeah. the housing, the housing stock was preserved in a way that a lot of the neighborhoods just weren't. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, we need to do, we need to work harder because there's some great, great, incredible architecture all around Chattanooga in, in neighborhoods that aren't as well developed. So uh, we need to, and, and there, you know, we've done a pretty good job of protecting uh, that stuff, but we need to, we need to do more. All right. And so the, my last fun question for you uh, specifically, what's your favorite CFC moment? Oh man. Oh God, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I really love, um, when, when the it's and it's been a while, right. Since we've had a good crowd back in Finley. Um, hopefully things will, will thaw out and we'll get on top of the COVID crisis to, to where we can have some bigger crowds back in there this spring. Uh, there's a really exciting announcement coming up uh, pretty soon about the spring. Uh, I won't, I won't give it away, but when the crowd really starts going with the Chattanooga, Chattanooga thing, Chatta and then Nuga, one side says Chatta and the other says Nuga, it's, I mean, I get shook up thinking about it now. It's, 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 uh, it's something. Yep. It, it, it's, it's really the thing that, you know, it's, it, it's, I've, you'll never find for anybody that's never been to the CFC game, uh, the pure spirit of Chattanooga in, in, in such unadulterated form as you will at a CFC game. It's, it's really something. Amen to that. 
Uh, well, Tim, thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation and best of luck with the campaign. Thank you, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you to Tim Kelly for sitting down for this conversation. If you want to follow Tim and learn more about his campaign, please take time to check out his website at kellyforcha.com. That's kelly, F-O-R-C-H-A.com. There's also a link for his website in the show notes of this episode, and I'll put some links into some of the books that we discussed uh, during our conversation. And you know, from there, from his website, you can follow Tim on all of his social media channels. Now, even though I'm only interviewing candidates for mayor, city council elections will be on the same ballot. So I highly recommend that you guys check out the Hamilton County Election Commission website and learn more about who is running for your city council district seat. You can find the link to their website, to the county website, here in the show notes of this episode as well. And then finally, I always want to end with a reminder that early voting opens February 10th, and our election day here in Chattanooga is going to be Tuesday, March the 2nd. And so I hope you all enjoy getting to know Tim, and we will see you back here for our next interview with candidate Kim White. Have a great day.